At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, we got an awesome show coming up here. Ethan Strauss is going to join us to talk about panicking, which is one of his uh, absolute favorite subjects. Uh, but first, it's time to get up, get out, and get back after it. Getting after it also means giving your exhausted muscles what they need to properly recover game after game. That's why real ballers choose to recover with low-fat chocolate milk. Not only is low-fat chocolate milk delicious, it's got the right mix of protein and carbs scientifically proven to refuel exhausted muscles. So get after it and posterize the competition with low-fat chocolate milk. Check out the science at builtwithchocolatemilk.com. Well, apropos that we're doing time to panic because this was a panic-worthy loss for the Golden State Warriors. Eh, maybe not. Jeremy Green didn't play, uh, but it maybe said more about the Bucks being good. But uh, to discuss this game, but then also which teams around the league, uh, the self-described master of panic, uh, Ethan Strauss is here joining uh, Danny and me. What's up, buddy? <laughs> um thanks for having me guys and i have to say i'm going to be the opposite of a panicker with how i'm talking because i've got a baby downstairs so i will be a little bit low energy a little bit npr and hopefully that will soothe any fans of any teams uh that should probably just blow their whole situation up so, so you want to just be npr novitz that's uh that's the that's, <laughs> that's, I think, that's the goal <laughs> <laughs> there are worse people to emulate certainly. well so danny what were your thoughts here as uh the bucks absolutely crushed golden state 134 111 steph curry uh injures his adductor in the third quarter trying to intercept a pass for a Giannis alley-oop uh but even the game had been well decided by that point what did you take away from this one nothing major except that it was a reminder of a couple of the weaknesses not only of this team more broadly but of steve Kerr more individually. And Steve Kerr is an extremely talented coach. He, you know, he is a big part of why the Warriors are as successful as they have been. I covered the Mark Jackson years. I understand the difference between the two. But Kerr, if he sees a seven footer on the floor, he's going to try to play a big. And Brooke Lopez, while he is a talented back to the basket scorer, doesn't do that anymore. He hasn't done that for years now. He transitioned from being an inside the restricted area guy to being an outside the arc area guy pretty quickly and they still want to play Damian Jones all the time Damian Jones didn't really do much positive in this game so that's one big piece and then when Draymond Green was unavailable they don't the Warriors don't really have that many natural covers for Giannis anyway but going with Jordan Bell and Kevon Looney and basically everybody but Kevin Durant for most of it you know they didn't really have much of a chance they got torn through that's the way it happens and Durant probably wouldn't have done much better anyway then the other part which I think is the more underrated weakness of the Warriors is that against athletic 
aggressive opponents, especially when a guy's missing like Draymond and Iguodala was limited and Livingston didn't play, they can get baited into playing iso ball. This is part of the reason why the Western Conference Finals was so ugly for most of it, was that the Warriors can get pulled into those circumstances. And so I think we saw some of both of those stories in this game. Hmm. Um, I guess my thought on it, uh, I'm, I'm allowed to speak on other things, not just the panicking. Yes, uh, can, yeah, can, yeah, can yeah. No, you're you're uh, surprisingly <laughs> multidimensional. <laughs> even if uh, even if I was watching a lot of Blazers Clippers per my gambling picks during the game. But um, I, I think in this is, instance, yes, I, it might be cited as a career weakness that uh, he will guard a big with a big. And uh, yes, maybe he will too often use uh, two bigs which without Draymond, which I think was just not the right move. But I, I was talking to some Warriors people after the game, and basically they said, look, if this was a playoff series, somebody like Andre would be guarding Brook Lopez. You know, I guess it'd have to be a final series. So maybe there's this uh, element with the Warriors where it's hard to judge what they're doing in an individual game because and they have this luxury more so than other teams. They will play in a dramatically different manner uh, versus if it was a playoff series because deep down, it just doesn't mean that much. And so I don't necessarily know if they were doing what they thought was optimal strategically or, hey, this is just a good... This is just good experience for Jones or good experience for some of the bigs to have them guard out there. So I guess that would be my thought additionally on that. I agree with you on defense, uh, and especially with Draymond not playing. Uh, I think on offense, it's a, a little bit different, and, and I like what the Bucks did. But I think we're really burying the lead here, frankly, and just that the Bucks played so well. I mean, and Steph Curry, this is now his third straight game in which he has kind of struggled a little bit after that uh, torrid start to the season. Then he goes down with the groin, but uh, he was dominated in this game by Eric Bledsoe uh that's true um and it's funny I was thinking about sitting next to you and how you were yelling mean regression whenever McKitty was <laughs> launching a three but perhaps you should have done the same for for Steph because he, he had that amazing start and there is a lot of buzz and I probably added to it of uh it's so great for him and the new rules and blah 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 blah, blah. but you know what goes up has to come down a little bit the the talk of him having a 50 50 90 season might have just been a little uh premature now I don't know what to read so much into in, in, into Bledsoe. Bledsoe, to me, is somebody where I, I don't want to say that he's been a disappointing fit in the past. Um you know, or just somebody yeah. where you wish that he was he was just a little bit more so. And this is also the first season he, is in his, his entire career that he's had a real coach. That's what yeah. I was getting to. So, you know, you wonder if he'll be unleashed. You wonder if he'll perhaps recapture the defensive verve he had when he was with the Clippers. And I thought um, he did that tonight. I mean, so, when he was like, he'll fall yeah. asleep off the ball sometimes. But he was his assignment was you stay on Steph Curry and track him around screens. And he, I thought he really made Steph uncomfortable. Steph was rushing. Uh, his three-pointers yeah yeah he did a fantastic job um all the way around and so this this bucks team i mean we're gonna make a connection with them and the warriors maybe there are some shades of the first Kerr season with the warriors where you take a you take some talent and you just see you see that massive leap when you go from uh, incompetent coaching maybe that's too far to call mark jackson incompetent but you go from one level of coaching to another level of coaching and that seems to be what's happening i have to give you credit nate um 
Um, I think when you guys were trying to list or rank the most talented teams in the East, you said, and it was a hot take at the time, uh, before the season started, between the Sixers and the Bucks, that you weren't so sure that the Sixers were the more talented team. And uh, I, I would say that that has been borne out. You know, the Bucks obviously had a lot of talent that was somewhat dormant and needed to be goosed, and uh, they are ever goosed right now. My I mean, God. it was just a complete destruction by the Bucks. I mean, some of the numbers were ridiculous. I mean, the Bucks at one point, uh, as they put the pedal to the metal in the third quarter, had a 130 offensive rating at a time at which they were shooting 25% from three. I mean, what they were doing, getting to the foul line, uh, Giannis was ridiculous. Uh, he had 10 free throws in the first half, uh, went right through. I mean, it's pretty amazing to think that like Jordan Bell and Kevon Looney are like power forwards and Giannis was just completely overpowering him. And Giannis is like, you know, almost a small yeah. forward uh, by trade. Uh, anything else you could take away from the Bucks performance, Danny? Well, I mean, you guys talked a fair amount about how great Bledsoe was, and he was tearing up offensively a lot more guys, too. And he blew by McKinney twice. He, I mean, whoever they were putting on, I thought he did, you know, there were a couple times when Clay ended up on him, and I thought Bledsoe did better than I would have expected. And beyond that, you know, like Middleton, I thought this was a, a, a decent but not great game for him. It wasn't as bad as that, I'm trying to remember which, that was a game we did for the, oh, against the Celtics, where he just couldn't hit a shot for most of that game. And they were just getting way better shots. They had 84 points in the paint i think they had 72 in the first three quarters got the warriors into they got themselves into the bonus i think two minutes into the game yeah. and most of those fouls were completely fine one of them was a little bit dicey and the warriors are a little bit foul happy they also the bucks generate that you know fouling re- it rewards the aggressor and the bucks were the aggressor from whistle to final buzzer in this game and that's what happens and they're they're phenomenal and it's it's so much fun to see an actual actualized version of this talent and you could go top to bottom i mean middleton and and bledsoe but this was the best game i've seen him play in in such a long time and getting back to what ethan was saying about coaching and everything else i've always found bledsoe somebody who the idea of him was so tantalizing that you kind of keep wanting to take that shot because if it works it's so amazing and this was a great encapsulation of what that idea was of what's so intoxicating about him i mean he beasted one of the best players of the modern era pretty thoroughly in this game yeah i think the other main takeaway that i had was that that bucks defense that we talked about uh against boston specifically of how much they were helping uh you know Ilya sova is probably the the guy who does that the most that actually works pretty well against the warriors because uh, and kevin durant in particular kd ended up with a bunch of assists in this game but i thought he also missed a lot of chances to throw passes but when the warriors have a lot of non-shooters on the floor the bucks doing a lot of helping and doing it with a, a lot of length and a lot of aggression i thought really flummoxed the warriors and so to see i mean the warriors outside of a couple of clay explosions have basically run on ridiculous steph curry and kevin durant performances this year and the bucks were really the first team they've played this year that said hey you know what we're not going to let these guys beat us you know we are going to pressure up we are going to force them off the three-point line if they drive we're going to help off their non-shooters very aggressively at the nail at the charge circle make passes alfonso mckinney was one of seven for three he uh wasn't able to take advantage a little bit jarebko missed a couple of wide open ones early uh other guys just weren't willing to shoot him to begin with they were playing with two non-shooters on the floor a, a lot of the time with jones and uh at center uh and bell or or looney 
And so that strategy worked very well in a way that it didn't necessarily uh, against the Celtics. Um, and really, uh, uh, when you consider too how well guys like Bledsoe did fighting over screens, like Kevin Durant got his shot blocked three times in the first half. Like that shows you a that he was probably taking a little more difficult looks, and b that they were being really effective with that help. Um, Ethan, I thought they really missed Draymond offensively in this game too, because none of their screeners could get anybody open. Yeah, he has an underrated impact on on, on offense for sure, and uh, but defensively too, it's 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 so I, I would have loved to have seen Draymond play oh, this yeah. game, uh, especially with this new construction new construction of the Bucks team, because I do feel like they don't want they don't want Giannis just going for forty or fifty. That that, that it's he's he's not a decoy certainly, right? It's he's he's getting great looks at at the rim, but they they want to be a team that leverages him to. Uh, just open up their spot up shooters and so I, I would have liked to have seen strategically if the Warriors just had Draymond take on that assignment fully minimal help and see how that might work out you know I I, I wanted to see something yeah. like that and I still want to see something like that and if we are going to say something a little bit negative about the Bucks, who have opened the season fantastically I love them for the gambling column uh, that, I, that I'm writing and are you writing so gambling column see them like this I do I know I only talk about every five seconds um <laughs> it's very I, good I by wonder, the way it, uh, i post this the, to the athletic.com slash cap space please <laughs> please sign up and read his gambling column it's fantastic but uh it, it has been mentioned I, on occasion I, I appreciate uh yes i appreciate you saying that but and i would pose this question to the two of you is it an issue that he can't hit a three-pointer um is that a bit of an issue is that something that could bite them in the playoffs is that is that something that we are underrating as a uh, problem a lot less now that they have adequate spacing and a better offensive system to let him just go to work and attack guys last Mm -hmm. year i think it was more of a a problem for him well here here's the addendum i'll put i'll put on what nate said if brooke lopez is unplayable in certain playoff series it's going to become a much bigger issue for them because a lot of their other options are actually worse shooters than brooke lopez's yeah Ilya sofa i mean they've kind of gone to him at center in smaller games down the end of games i still think that they you know it would be interesting like steve kerr would have played thon maker already you know mike budenholzer has not really done that we'll see if they get into some planned rest periods thon has had one good game this year uh when Giannis didn't play he played mostly at the four but I think you you know you need to unearth him and see whether there's a more mobile option uh, available for them because I do wonder about their defense uh with Brooke in particular uh being unplayable even Ilyasova could get to that level against some of the best teams um uh, all right let's uh I don't think it's time to panic for the Warriors yet uh but we do have to talk about some other teams uh, that are going to panic uh or not panic on we'll uh we'll have to give them a rating I guess uh right after this so my wife and i after we got married went on the trip of a lifetime for our honeymoon it, it was fantastic we went to bali we went to japan we stayed at just some absolutely wonderful hotels that we couldn't afford and we'll probably never stay at again uh but i must say that the one thing that slightly disappointed me although i don't know why i did frankly because i know how good helix sleep is is that the mattresses weren't as good as my helix sleep mattress but if you think about it why should it be helix sleep despite i'm quite sure costing far less than those mattresses mattresses at luxury hotels it's made for me we filled out their sleep quiz took only two minutes to complete it and they used the answers to match our body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress fortunately for my wife and i 
our preferences matched enough we were able to get the same style of mattress all the way around but if you do not match with your significant other helix can even split the mattress down the middle providing individual support needs and feel preferences for each side they have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free Right now, Helix Sleep has got an even better deal, up to $125 off all mattress orders. If you're a side sleeper, hot sleeper, you like a plush bed, firm bed, with Helix, there's no more guessing or confusion. Get up to $125 off at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to remember slash capspace. We talk about it all the time in the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace for $125 off your mattress order. Helixsleep.com slash capspace. Let them know at that slash capspace URL that you came from us. All right, well, let's start with the team that got completely waxed today, 98-80 to in Oklahoma City. Just a miserable offensive performance. No Russell Westbrook, uh, no problem for the Thunder. Uh, The Rockets managed only an 88 offensive rating in this game. What do you think, Ethan? I mean, scale of 1 to 10, where is your panic meter for the Rockets? With 10 being, uh, I I mean, and and let's let's talk about it in the context (laughs) of of what their preseason expectations were right this is a team that was expected to be a favorite to at least get to the western conference finals and you know maybe even give the warriors a run uh as they did last year in context of that expectation with 10 being absolutely no way they get there and one being like yeah they probably still will where are you at I, I like how you're, you're you're defining the rubric of that, that it's about your expectations because that is what gets people fired. Would, would you expect anything fired. different from Nate? The rubric of panic. I mean, look, I, I it's <laughs> the rubric of panic. No, I think it's the way to do it because when I was looking at, at, at the various teams that have disappointed a little bit, they do have differing goals, right? I think a successful season for the Washington Wizards is a different thing than the successful season for the for the Houston Rockets. So yeah, it's got to be about the expectations. I'd say my panic level is at an eight now i wonder about this thing where um and in the context of the teams that we're talking about i i know nate especially prioritizes the tangible over the intangible and thinks a lot of the uh the subjective stuff is 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 bullshit and well i, I, I wouldn't I even say that somebody... it's just that i think mm-hmm. that stuff you just you can't measure it it kind of all cancels each other like every subjective reason that you come up with i could come up with some other objective reason and there's really just no way to know and so i think when you get into that stuff unless there's just like really hard stuff on the ground that you know now like in terms like an injury or something like that's probably the more subjective stuff than it is like oh Mm -hmm. you know the locker room is bad or whatever or they're just not concentrating this year or something like that yeah well well i asked because i was talking to a basketball ops guy after after the game tonight and he was saying about the rockets um that people think that it's they 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 got rid of uh ariza am Mute, no, it's their chemistry is fucked. Like that's that's their problem. And I tend to think that it's the former and not the latter. I tend to well, think that it's not only who they lost, uh, the it's who they added. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that there's there's also that that they haven't they haven't replaced um they haven't replaced what they what they've lost with what they need to. And um I still I mean I'm not sure where I am on, on, on Ennis, but I just think they don't have enough they don't have enough defense. And when you combine it with and we don't know where he's going to be at at the end of the year you know we ask this pretty much every year is this the year chris paul starts breaking down is this the year that he finally um starts looking like a a five foot eleven guy um who relies a lot on guile and maybe if he loses a little bit of an edge right there is just not going to be the same kind of player there are some reasons for concern right now 
And it's difficult to see this team exceeding expectations. You can see a path to it. If you told me fast forward the season, they're in the Western Conference Finals, maybe that wouldn't fall over. But they don't, God, they just look so far from being the second best team in the West so far. Well, Danny, what has gone wrong for them? I mean, I think that's, you have to first figure out what the symptoms are before you can come up with a a diagnosis for the disease. So where have they been lacking? I mean, I think it's more important to talk about, you know, how they've looked with Harden because obviously he missed some time with that hamstring. Paul got suspended. So at, at, and they've, you know, they've had other injury issues with NS. Eric Gordon has been out, et cetera. Uh, But like, what's been the problem with this team? Like we need to accurately really discuss that. So I think narrowing the field to more of the Harden time is, is fair because it's a more representative sample of not only where they are as a team, but also what they're going to be as a team hopefully moving forward. I mean, if Harden is limited or out, then they're not going to be nearly as good. And so defensively, I think one of the really concerning parts for me is just that teams are better at exploiting what they do. And there are a couple of reasons why that's the case. One is it's not as much of a novelty anymore. You know, teams have dealt with this the coaching staff spent part of the offseason because when a team is successful team uh, uh coaching staff spend time figuring out how to counter it because that that's just the way this works i mean it happens in the nfl every year happens in in basketball i mean the elevator doors play was it was the rage and then all of a sudden teams figured out how to figure it out and then it became less the rage and that happens but the other part for houston is just they have personnel that's easier to attack now and so when you look at their defensive numbers you're not really seeing anything that's truly you know unsustainable in terms of an opponent's success like the the opponents are shooting 35 percent on threes not including garbage time against them that's not some insanely great number that is going to you know it's it's actually below i think that's below average for this year and so you have that and they are shooting 42 percent from the corner threes but again the overall number is what's more important there and the shots they're forcing are generally in line with what they've done in other years their foul rate is much higher i think that can tone down but also teams are attacking their guards more aggressively and i think that's leading to more fouls so i i think they'll be they'll be better but the idea of them as putting like putting a charge into the warriors if that's what we're defining as kind of part of their preseason expectations that is going to rely substantially more this year on the singular offensive brilliance of chris paul and james harden and we're not sure if that's all going to be there and what we know about the this Warriors team or even the elite teams in the East is that you need to be cohesive and capable on both ends of the floor in order to be a real threat. And I am not convinced that the Rockets are going to be that. Um, All right, here's my bullet points on the list of things that are that are wrong with them. Carmelo Anthony, Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Carmelo Anthony. Okay, that's three. Um, what okay, about so, so, but no, all right, I, I I got some others too. But uh, so I, I guess we can go into Melo right now. Matt Moore had this stat today. Uh, Rockets net rating of negative nine with Melo on the court, plus one point eight with him on the bench defensive rating 11 points per 100 worse with him on the floor that is the worst differential of any player to play over 100 minutes this season oh and by the way uh he was one for 11 
uh, from the field today at negative 22, which was a, a team worse. He's not really making up for it uh, offensively either. I mean, my hope was that, you know, he could become more of a spot-up guy. He's had some pretty good spot-up shooting games. He had those six for nine against Brooklyn. Uh, but, you know, I mean, unless he's just going to be bombing in threes, which it doesn't look like he, he's going to get there, you know, he is a very, very negative player. So I, I, I think that's one uh, that shows out to me for sure. Uh, and he gives a place to attack. I mean, I guess the question is, do they have the will or do they have the personnel or do they have the ability to get new personnel that can eliminate that problem for them? What do you think, Ethan? I, I I was talking with somebody who who reports on that team and, and early in the season when this started to crop up as a problem and he said I, I said at what point does he cut bait like at what point is is Mello banished from the rotation and he said no way not yeah. even close D'Antoni wants to get him six six man of the year uh, I I don't think that's going to happen <laughs> I don't think that's in the offing no um, it isn't so I don't see much yeah yeah I I don't see that much in the way of will uh to make the move that that needs to be made and maybe they will get there when it just becomes so glaring but then i wonder Yes, I think at the top of the items that we're looking at for what's ailed them, Kermelanthi was the obvious one to, to land upon, and I, I just wonder if that's the only the only major issue the, here. Yeah. Like, if that's is uh, that going to be that? A, that's a question that I want to get into here. Is yeah. let's say I don't I don't know if this is going to be the case. The Phoenix Suns are two and nine at the moment. We can talk about that game a little bit later. But let's say on February fifteenth, Trevor Reza somehow pops into the waiver wire and he clears waivers and he decides he wants to go to the Houston Rockets. How much of this gets fixed? I mean, I think a lot of it does, but I certainly don't think all of it does. Well, uh, one thing as an aside here, will you guys just like come with me to the G League showcase in December and we can just like put like uh, a canvas bag over Daryl Morey's head and kidnap him, take him to a, a luxury hotel room <laughs> in some high rise and uh, pump him full of sodium pentothal and find out whether he actually thought that signing Mello was a good idea or whether he just did it because his players wanted to. Can, can we just uh, make a pact to do that right now? <laughs> there are I mean, things I, we I, should not admit in public, Nathaniel. <laughs> I mean, there. I, I, I do wonder if somebody might have, you could talk yourself into role player Mello, D'Antoni magic, oh you know, you could maybe, you know, contort yourself into the right perspective to think that it's the, uh, the, the, well, the right I mean, way to go. The team that all three of us are around more than the other ones just gave Nick Young the full mid-level exception. So this is this is, has happened before. Yeah. Well, it's but, not but exactly, like they, you know, they the, had the ability. The GM slash player heat they check. had the ability to yeah. not uh, not play him though. I mean, it was it, it, that was a uh, but but okay so. Uh, mellow aside here right i mean i think you you hit a, on a good thing there danny well that's why i'm interested yeah. in the answer to my recent yeah, question uh, because that that idea of how much well does he okay fix? so uh, you know and i think actually they miss him a little bit on offense uh because they just you know they don't have he's a better offensive player better shooter than james Ennis. now arisa hasn't exactly looked that great in phoenix himself this year you know he's, he's been 34 so you know he, he it, it could be suffering from decline that's part of why they didn't re-sign him to begin with but i think the greater problem here that no one has been talking about until very recently is their offense has sucked with james harden on the floor this season 104 offensive rating i mean that would rank as of now 
23rd in the NBA. That's the same as Cleveland's overall offensive rating. That's what they've looked like with our, I'm sorry, it's worse than that. There'd be a 24th. So Chris Paul has been awful under 500 true shooting, uh, PR of 18. I mean, just can't hit a shot. There's this nebulous elbow injury, uh, that Tim McMahon, uh, cryptically tweeted about today. Uh, you know, I mean, he doesn't look that much worse. Harden to me does look worse. He's finishing very poorly around the rim. He looks like, uh, you know, he'll kind of wax and wane as, as far as you know what type of shape he looks to be in uh but he definitely looks on the heavier side of, of that he hasn't had the explosion at the rim he's been leaving a lot of those short um so if those two guys aren't as good as and especially paul i mean harden i think will come around but if paul's not the same guy i mean you know they're put the panic meter up to a 10 we're done here with, with these guys as a contender yeah yeah i i i mean if paul's compromised i mean it's it, there's just no shot there's no shot at all i mean paul's the player the, the warriors fear most who, who they i think the warriors if you if you asked some of the people uh in the organization in the playoff series which 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 player gives us more problems they would they would say chris paul um really so, yeah if he's compromised there, there's no way I, I, really I, it doesn't seem uh to be uh the, I, I don't agree with that i guess we'll put it that way but i mean you, that's their that that's their assessment i think one of the reasons at least given to me is that it's easier to find where the other guys want to shoot it's easier to find what they want to do i think chris paul operating that pick and roll mid-range is something that their defense isn't necessarily geared yeah. for i mean i thought they forced um, him into tough played, shots last year i think he played i think he played and frankly i think he played better than harden did in the western conference yeah Finals. i mean maybe, maybe that's true i would agree so with that. another problem they have zero depth right i mean they have to play mellow they don't have anyone else i mean they have kind of an older team they've had these injuries gordon has been out uh you know paul is, is certainly an injury risk they have absolutely no one at backup center and a who do, who the hell knows when he's going to come back at this point there isaiah hartenstein who actually has the best net rating on the team uh you know marquise huh. chris uh you know then they had to play michael carter williams he is at least he's out of the rotation now they'll look better just because of that because he had like a negative 19 net rating but they're going with gary clark who's basically like you know a, I forget whether he's a two-way guy or undrafted, but you know he's uh, plays hard and a nice story, but he's not uh, you know a playoff caliber rotation player either. So I mean they got to get some reinforcements here, and those may come in the buyout market. Like they could start playing a lot better. I mean I, I would be a lot less worried about them if they just look better on offense. Like if they were just you know their same dominating selves on offense, it's like okay the defense sucks, but the defense sucks because you know they have no backup big and they're playing mellow all the time, and uh, you know it, there's just I mean we've had this list of ills has been very long i mean there's a lot of holes to put your finger in in the dike and daryl morey uh he might only have three or four fingers and that might not be enough uh to put in this dike. <laughs> uh okay well, let's say let's say they get jimmy butler yeah. then how do we feel well about who are they who are they giving up i mean they're not going to get him it seems like unless they <laughs> give up you know a pj tucker and an eric gordon you know so like tom thibodeau and maybe even glenn taylor wants rotation players back yeah, that's a, that's a challenge. Oh, one other thing I wanted to mention here is that Houston right now, and I think this is something that has to get better and it will, is that they're not getting to the line. I mean, they've been top five in free throw attempt rate for the last, I think, six years, and then they're 26th right now. That will help give them some easy buckets. That might get them from like 24th in offense all the way up to like, I don't know, 15th or something like that. But it's still like, it, it's still there. And with Jimmy Butler, I'm not sure. I mean, certainly he helps them. He's a very good player. But offense Offensively, he's not as much of an additive talent because they already have yeah. two amazing. Well, creators. unless Paul's not and as so, good anymore. I mean, that's that's the that, that right. then he could help. Yeah, he would I guess help he's. I guess yeah. he's 
sure, he would help them more, but are, is Chris Paul really going to give up those possessions? You know, like you get into all of those circumstances as well. Where's where's it going to come from? And somebody else I want to mention just briefly is a disappointment. I hoped that when these injuries happened that Gerald Green could step into a larger role. He's yeah, still, he was you know, okay last 20 year. minutes a game. Yeah, 20 minutes a game. Some some nights he gets into double figures. Some nights he's he's not there. And I hope, I mean, he had he had some nice playoff series. He had some, some good individual defense moments, all those kind of things. And we're just not, I haven't seen it very much from him this year. And they, you know, I don't think he's a defining characteristic of this team, but he could help. Yeah, 8.2 PER for Joe Green. Eric Gordon has a 7.7 PER. Uh, uh, I don't know. Any, anything else on them, Ethan? Uh, or, I mean, I, I, like, I'm with you. I'm, I'm I'm eight. I might even be a nine. You know, the more we talk about them, the worse I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I'm a seven I, I was, for right now for the yeah. record. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's level-headed of Danny to be, to be a seven. I'm, I'm all the way ramped up today. One thing, though, that might mitigate the panic a little bit might not be so much them, but just the, the, the upper tier yeah. of the West. And, and, you know, per this podcast, doesn't seem to be what it's been in the past. Yeah, like Den- so Denver, Portland, like that's not scaring me too much if I'm Houston. is You know, I mean, it's really more just about them getting back to that level. Um, I, I wanted to share, actually, this is a, some really good statistical work from uh, Andrew Johnson at uh, Nylon Calculus. Uh, he basically took a look at what we can expect in terms of regression from teams based not only on how they're their shooting and their shot location from those places but then also he found that generally just where you're getting your shots can also regress right if it like teams are shooting so if you're shooting just a ridiculous number of your shots at the rim for example as a team like which the lakers are as an example we'll talk about them later um that that has a tendency to regress over the course of the season there's just a certain spread that happens over the course of the season that it's hard to get beyond if only because teams are like hey you know what like these guys are just shooting everything at the rim we're going to start focusing more on taking that stuff away so he found that basically aberrations in your shooting are about one third like inconsistent shot location i shouldn't say inconsistent but basically uh unsustainable shot locations both for good or for ill and then two-thirds uh shot making and so houston uh based on his research should get uh, about a 5.1% e-field goal percentage improvement. That would be the highest in the NBA. They have a variance based on uh, just how good they're making the shots that they're getting from certain locations and then also where you, you can expect their uh, shot mix to change. So that is one reason for optimism uh, in terms of their offense. Uh, their defense, though, is not really, doesn't have any indicators like that. Their defense, they've been getting their ass kicked and basically rightfully so based on how they've been playing um all right who, who else so we're, we're both at an eight give me your they are four and six right now how many games do you think they're gonna they're gonna win uh finish up this season oh that's so hard i wasn't even prepared to think well well so way. i was just so I, I made it i was too busy panicking. i sent you the spreadsheet <laughs> i say <laughs> i sent you this. well yeah now you can really panic um well so so uh i'm gonna say i'm gonna say 42 40 you're gonna win 42 games how are you only at an I, eight I, then? I, you I, should I, be I, at a ten. <laughs> okay, let's bump it up. Let's bump it up to. Uh, let's bump it up then. Let's be okay. They can't. They they can't be so bad that they only win half their games. Um. I'll bump it up to 47. Okay. 47. So that would basically have them playing at the rate, at the pace of a 49 win team the rest of the way. And that's, mm-hmm. that seems about right to me, to, to be honest. I mean, and, you know, I could see them making moves. 
I could see them starting to play better that get them kind of right back into it and get them healthy uh you know it just in terms of how they're playing um what about you Danny I think they're I'm more optimistic yeah. I mean you see that by having a lower score I have them playing at a 56 win pace the rest of the way so not nearly as good as last year but still pretty good and then that would mean they would be 53 and I guess that'd be 29 yeah. overall in the season so that would be in the mix for the second best record in the west depending on how some of these teams shake out and there is a lot of a lot of downward thrust on that i mean i think it's a lot more likely that they play it below a 56 win pay like it's it's gonna be hard but if i'm picking most likely outcome i still believe in their talent and they are going to get healthier because they can't really get less healthy especially if you count chris paul's suspension they can't really miss more time with those guys than they have so far all right ethan uh who else intrigues you on a our little list here uh it's a, we're we're a big surprise we're going really slowly through this so we may not get to all of them. we might have to do like a lightning round uh but who, who, where do you want sure. to go next? Oh, it's a list of intrigue, and I, I didn't know I was supposed to uh, slot in the, the the predicted record. But um, well, okay. So here's a question. Uh, I don't know if this is the most intriguing team on the list, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't have occurred to me to put them on the list, which is the Pelicans. I, I'm not very panicky about them, so I I want to hear the case for panic. That's what I'm curious about with the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean they're five and six. Uh, there's also the fact that you know Anthony Davis could. I, I think the the case for panic is that because anthony davis is nearing this crossroads that they really like i mean unless you see them being you know maybe like a hard-fought second round loss i mean that's probably you know lose to the warriors in seven games in the second round like if they're not at that level you know it seems like almost fate accompli to me that ad is going to leave or or not sign that extension yeah so okay so the reason for panic is what he was talking about with haynes and not necessarily about yeah, really high expectations like higher expectations yeah. than you yeah. know maybe people are like oh you know the pelicans they'll probably be a playoff team maybe they get to the second round it's like no you gotta you got actually do better than that if you want to hold on to AD. At, at the same time given the construction of their roster would you be absolutely shocked if they made it to the western conference finals well if they were if they were the yeah they again? could be the greatest beneficiary of this whole houston thing i mean i think i like them better than denver i like them better than portland uh you know if houston's just not going to be that good and they dominated houston i think they actually match up very well uh, against houston uh yeah. with some of the guys they have to beat switching defenses randall is a great key for unlocking that well, and and that's the thing too is randall that's one of the reasons why i'm just not so panicky about them yes you know the, the anthony davis quote is, is is worrisome but you're going to have that hanging over you anyway especially after he hires rich paul um but this randall thing is just such found money um that in many ways makes me feel better about them and and kind of overshadows the the, the record or the lackluster start overall i guess what do you think about about the Pels, uh, Danny? Are, are you? Uh, I and mean, they had this great start. Now they they've really struggled. I think they are like you know one in six in their last seven now. I understand why you put them on the list, but I probably wouldn't have just because I attribute a lot of their struggles to Anthony Davis not yeah. being right. And while that, you know, as somebody who is bullish on them overall, a lot of that does depend on Anthony Davis being right because he's so important to their team. What he, what you guys are getting at in terms of how they define success is such a fascinating question because, you know, Davis, they've made the playoffs then got swept out when Davis was a lot younger. And then they made the playoffs last year, got that big sweep and then lost pretty handily to the Warriors. And so how they define it i mean if you if they're going into this they have to make the playoffs i mean if they don't make the playoffs then i i think he's gone just because you can't unless there's some sort of catastrophic thing that will be resolved by the next year but 
absent that alternative, basically what the idea behind panicking for them would be, you're putting so many eggs in the playoff basket and that very well might not work out. And we also don't know what Anthony Davis wants. I talked about this a little bit in a piece about how it's always hard when you're dealing with an individual because you don't know what they value, what what inputs matter to them. But I think I still think they're a good team. I mean, so if we want to go to the record thing, I'll just throw mine out there early. I think they're going to be like playing at a 40, 48 win pace. That is, again, optimistic, but that's I just I think they're a 50 win plus team at, at full strength and they won't be full strength all the time. So that would be they have 47 wins that probably be not in the tippy top of the West, but still pretty good depending on how long some other teams are hurt. And I like their talent. I believe in their talent. They don't need as much from newcomers, you know, like like the Rockets do. I think the Rockets need an infusion. The Pelicans could benefit from it, but don't need it. So that's a positive for them. But yeah, I mean, they're, they need guys to play well. I mean, Miritich was on fire at the beginning part. That was probably unsustainable, but they need him to play well. Drew Holiday is another central figure for them. So my panic meter for them isn't low, but I understand how quickly that can turn. So I, I think you're ahead of the curve here but that the the car might be going around that curve anyway um two quick reasons for options my, my panic meter for them just you know in terms of getting to where people kind of thought they would be uh it's pretty low i'd put it at like a, a three rating um and because 7.5 net rating with ad on the floor their defense is what has been so bad they are 10 points per 100 worse when he is off the floor and he's missed it time obviously with that elbow that, that's something that's probably eventually going to resolve and then also per johnson's research uh they had one of the largest improvements or expected improvements uh in their field goal percentage defense that should improve uh, according to johnson's research by uh four percent uh opponents e field goal percentage so th- there's reason to think their defense can be better both with davis playing more uh peyton will be back i mean they're very thin i also expect this team to trade another first round draft pick to get more help on the wing which will uh, really help them that's what th- their big weakness um so uh, yeah I- i'm not that worried about them what do you think Ethan? I'm not that worried. I'm probably at the three as well. I think um, I, I I would predict over 50 wins. Um, I think a lot of the reason for panic is is Anthony Davis base. So yes, it's very scary if he goes down with an injury that sinks your season and you worry about him going out the door. So yes, there, there are certainly reasons for concern. But as far as how they're playing when I've watched them, uh, when Anthony Davis is playing, I still like a lot of what I see with this team. I, I, I like the general mix of it. Um, I've worried about Miritich in a playoff series. Now you can kind of take him out of a playoff series. So having another powerful forward dynamic like Randall makes me feel better about them overall um I feel pretty decent about this team I like the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean uh, right now I would say I mean unless Houston gets better I think they have as good a chance of anybody uh, of getting uh, to the West Finals if if they can stay healthy uh, this is actually a good one for you a little bit off topic here but it occurred to me as we were talking you know people might be like oh AD like he's gonna stay because you know they can offer him the most money right like they can give him that designated player veteran extension 35 percent of the salary cap instead of 30 percent so you know it's about a 40 million dollar difference in what he could get versus from another team uh and even if he gets traded and and they have bird rights and can sign a five-year deal he still would make a lot more but isn't it weird for a fan base to be like well you know and i guess if he prioritizes winning he'd probably want to be somewhere else but let's just hope he's greedy let's just hope he doesn't care that much about winning he just wants money <laughs> it, it, it shows how the uh, the nba salary cap um combined with uh, state law really skews and it just skews perspectives 
It's it's funny. I hadn't I hadn't really thought about that that way. Oh, um, oh he's he's not leaving. That I, guy I, is just totally money grubbing. We know he doesn't care about anything <laughs> except his wallet. <laughs> He'll be staying here for sure. <laughs> <laughs> thank god he's gonna ha- thank god he's such a, a money prioritizing loser that he's going to help us win oh man that's that's great uh okay so, so we don't have to do the predicted record necessarily on, on all these some of them i think it's it's interesting but uh which of these other uh potential panic teams uh intrigues you master of the, panic dude they're they're, they're 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 all so intriguing i mean i i the lakers might be oh, yeah. the kings of intrigue right now yeah uh yeah so Let, let's get into yeah it, the, the lakers right now uh sit at five and six uh, like uh, a lot of these teams uh, give you some more uh, fundamentals on them they are the number eight offense and the number 22 defense at the moment basically uh a neutral point differential um what stood out to you about about these guys like what's their problem right now um i mean obviously defense uh is their problem but i will say this is subjective uh because his numbers aren't that off you know his numbers are still pretty good but when i've watched them just lebron doesn't completely feel like lebron to me is anybody else getting that there's just not that level of force and command of the game and then I, then there are these weird things that happen when i was watching their their game against the mavericks for instance where he just completely faded out and wasn't part of the offense down the stretch and then afterwards luke walton said something about you know lebron knows how to win games we know he can win us games the other guys need to learn how to win us games i don't buy that for a second luke walton fearing for his job is just going to have brandon ingram run the offense at the end of a close game uh so there's i i don't totally know what's going on there and i don't know if it's age and i don't know if he's completely checked in but the thing that stands out to me the most is i i, I just see a lebron james that and yes he's not as checked in in the regular season but just isn't as present and as much of a force as i'm used to i was thinking about that at the end of their win over minnesota when he was just jacking up and not jacking up a couple of threes and not really battling to get into the lane or anything like that and I don't recall I don't think he played that many minutes in that game from what from what I remember and James is he can coast and I mean he he is defensively obviously I mean that's there's there's not really any argument on the other side of that anymore but yeah I think he's been a little bit less dominant some of that might just be trying to get comfortable with his teammates and feeling everything out but I would agree with you I haven't seen that dominance from him offensively overall I mean other than the dunk fest on opening night when they're in the when they played the blazers those those real series where he's just orchestrating everything and the other team just has no chance you you get to like the level below that which lebron kind of that's his idling a lot of the time but not that real peak as often yeah i i think that's that's true but you know how you can separate that from and there have been whispers windhorse was talking about this that you know maybe he didn't he had kind of a hectic summer did not come in in the usual level of shape that he is in to start a season um how much of that is well you know they don't really have that much spacing how much of that is they're trying to get the ball to guys like rondo and ball let them run things and ingram has to have his chance to do stuff and then uh you know you got to throw it to kyle kuzma every once 
once in a while um you know how much has it been just some guys not hitting shots on this team uh but i think it, the ecosystem for just his personal offensive success is a more difficult one than really any time probably since uh his first season in miami yeah he's not as fl- he's not flanked by as much shooting um certainly and that that probably makes him a less effective player but i and again it's a subjective take but it just seems like he's not completely locked in um and i i don't know what's up with that I, there there are some things to like with this team certainly they've got some young talent they've got some intriguing pieces there are flashes from from ingram i don't know here's a question what is ingram's ceiling like what do you think that he could potentially be i i would like your perspective on that because i think that might determine a lot of what this whole lakers situation can be danny i'll let you take this one since uh you know i don't want to get decapitated in temecula by some lakers fan So, as strange as this sounds, my theory on Brandon Ingram is actually that he's better guarding smaller guys than bigger guys, just because that way, Kevin Durant's actually kind of like this, where he can use his length and doesn't get bullied as much. So, defensively, I don't think you want to stick him on the best of the best. He's more of a complementary defensive player, which is still valuable. I mean, teams need those kind of players all over. And then offensively, he strikes a balance that is always concerning for me, and it's also something that I disagree on with a lot of players, including my dear friend Jason Tatum, where in Ingram's case, I think that he's more dangerous with the ball in his hands than without it. And he's not good enough with the ball in his hands to do that against the best. So that means he's just actually another example of this, though, I don't think he's quite this way is Aaron Gordon, a guy that I think is widely overrated, where they do something well, but they don't do it well enough for it to be a real competitive advantage. And so that makes Ingram more of a complimentary guy. Fortunately, he's played next to LeBron James. So the definitive question for me is not necessarily what percentage he shoots from three. I mean, you can get into the Justice Winslow complex and all that kind of stuff, but it's how aggressively is he going to take them and when teams react to him, the two dribbles and a good decision type stuff, I think he'll be good at that role. But I'm not sure that he'll be that he can that he, not that he can be more than that, but that I would expect that is the most likely outcome. Well, the other guy to wonder about, and I think there's just a huge variance in or just a huge range in what people think he's capable of. And it's further complicated by the Rondo situation is ball. And I I have no I have no idea and I have no idea of if he he would have been progressing better if not for the introduction of Rondo to the situation that can have an impact on on young guys certainly yeah. he, um, he also like you know that's, didn't that's have it. an offseason that doesn't help much no that, that yeah. doesn't help and, and much it, it also doesn't so, help much that it seems like LeBron isn't his biggest backer in the world <laughs> I think that's another one well something I wanted to bring up with Lonzo and this is not the best argument to make for a point guard but I've been very impressed with his defense I think he will be a good to very good maybe even stronger than that defender for his position position that's not the most important thing for a point guard but that is a nice little fallback in terms of his value especially playing with LeBron now he's still gonna have to make shots that's the only way to make it work but that is encouraging uh give you a stat on the Lakers here they are taking just a crap load of shots at the rim uh and that's expected to decline uh just because again it's it teams don't take that many shots at the rim over an entire season uh 
So uh, they are shout, shout out, shout out JaVale, by yeah, the way. No, he's who, been uh, huge for that. You know, uh, you know, if, if he wasn't playing well, I mean, what would the panic meter be? Yeah. Like? Well, Jesus. so I, I think I, I wanted to get to that too, I, but the, they are expected to experience, uh, and you know, this isn't gospel here and it doesn't account for the talent of the players. You know, JaVale certainly being one of them, LeBron being one of the greatest guys at the room ever. Ingram is good at getting to the room, et cetera. Uh, but they are expected to experience a 2.9% decline in their e-field goal percentage uh and their defense is pretty much you know kind of right where it's expected to be so that's there's not much uh room for optimism at least in the numbers of like oh this is going to regress they'll be fine type of stuff at least with that but now that they actually have a backup center they've defended okay with javel on the floor if they can get similar production from tyson chandler you know it's not jonathan williams and it's not kuzma at center you know then maybe the defense kind of gets fixed hmm. i don't know i'm suspicious uh yeah I know Chandler looked. I, I I I know Chandler looked like he had a little uh, a little more uh, a little more spunk than he had in in Phoenix maybe in that in that small sample size of a game. Yeah. But I think that his defensive deficiencies are going to show themselves over the course. And, of the and he's not a good offensive that, player prediction. anymore, Chandler. Uh, I mean, he's a good screen setter. He's a good offensive rebounder, but he's not the finisher uh, that he used to be. Not the finisher that Javale is. And then also, I mean, if they're really going to just go away from small ball, you know, that really to me limits their upside. If they do get Get into the playoffs that you know JaVale McGee and Tyson Chandler I mean those are guys who are going to be able to get attacked uh defensively I think you know Chandler once was a, a wonderful defensive player I think he's a little too slow now at age 36 to really you know guard the best pick and roll players um so I mean so they are raising their floor and lowering their ceiling at the same time but you know this is a team that could get some buyout guys you know I, I think that there are a couple of moves away at least they haven't played Lance Stevenson as much anymore like that's kind of the first move they needed to make to kind of fix their lack of shooting uh and I think like there is especially if lebron starts playing together there are combinations here that i think could be dominant on offense but that's really what's going to have to happen I, I don't see with this version of lebron javel at center uh you know some of the young guys they have like kuzma is still pretty bad defensively like, i don't see them getting much above average defensively so if they're going to be a real good team they're going to have to get into the top five in offense and i think that could happen but i'm not sure that it will yeah yeah well, I, I mean I imagine have... yeah. go ahead ethan no no no, no. i, I want to hear danny's thoughts i was just gonna <laughs> negativity but i want to hear danny's thoughts i'm so excited for when they're going to play lonzo josh hart lebron either kuzma ingram and julius randall together because that lineup's going to tear up the nba (laughs) 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 oh man um well you know we should give a shout out to josh hart for being decent yeah yeah although i do think he's a little overrated defensively at this point um he tried he's not bad but he's not like a stopper quite yet um so pan- panic yeah. meter for yeah, the Lakers. like the i'm gonna go hmm what here's the crazy thing too is i don't even know what the expectations for them well, were for I felt 48 like wins 50. and second round that's kind of what i felt like i felt like would have been i felt i felt like the expectations were lebron makes two movies <laughs> you know this, this whole move didn't seem to be about winning like i don't i don't really know what people expected it was a big deal but nobody was saying we're going to the, win the win they the are a really so entertaining very... team to watch though i will give them that like i oh I've, yeah i oh, yeah. really enjoyed uh, watching this team um I, i've i've enjoyed them in the picks column for for, for other reasons but <laughs> um i i don't know i, I don't know <laughs> Like, I don't know what they want out of this. You know, is Luke Walton getting fired the measure of panic? Because I think that that, that seed is quite you, you hot. You think he's going to get fired? reports of um, over the but course of the say, season. Let's say they're the 500 season. a month from yeah. now. 
Is he gone? Yeah, I think he's going to get fired. Yeah. I think he's getting fired. I think it, it's not a good sign that that Magic Johnson, through these leaked reports, is effectively. Um, who, who do you think leaked I, that? Maybe he's not flaunting. Who do you think leaked that? He was Luke or Luke I, side I, I or, or, spe- or or Lakers. Oh, or there's Magic no side. way. I, Look, I I don't want to speculate on on what caused the reporting um, or or, or who said. Well, okay, let let me let me let me change. I would say this. I would say who had the motivation? If if Luke, who had the motivation? I I would say definitely not Luke's side. I I don't think that looks good. Although I could see somebody saying people need to know how unfair the situation is, but it's a it's it's emasculating. You know that the way it was reported. Well, magic magic was like supposedly pissed off that it got out. Uh, I mean, I think it might have just been like Luke kind of thinking like, hey, you know what? I'm actually doing a good job. If I leak this, the reaction is going to be what it was, which was this is fucking ridiculous. You know, like, so I, I actually, I mean, if I had to get, if I just in terms of motivation, I actually think that Luke mm-hmm. probably has more, would have more reason to, to leak it. But I, I have no idea who it actually was. But just in terms of motivation, to me, it seems like it would make more sense for Luke because like, because think- the PR, like. Just think, like, the reason you leak something is because you want people to react in a way that's favorable to you. And I thought that people reacted, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you you know the truth, right? The truth is Magic was pissed off at him, right? So it's not like, uh, I think that that, like, the fact that that was leaked, once you already know Magic has dressed him down, if you're Luke Walton, it strengthens your position to have everyone in the media saying it's ridiculous for Magic to do that. Um, It might strengthen your position, but you never want to look so emasculated, especially as a head coach. You, you just I just don't think that's a good look to, I don't know, to that, be dressed down. Then you can down. get like not... Stan Van Gundy or and Jeff Van Gundy like going crazy on the next broadcast of like <laughs> how wrong it is that this is happening. Are you kidding me? Like I, I don't know, Danny. Who, who is now, now? I can now now I now I can joke about that freely. Um... <laughs> Uh, I think I think Magic had more reason to leak it because of the just panic that is around the Lakers whenever they're not meeting those expectations of the see I'm doing something like look at this I, I'm trying yeah. I'm trying to make something better like that that generally to me is more what it is okay. I think more people thought the Lakers were underperforming than Luke Walton was underperforming and so that leads me but I, I understand your logic and I we can talk about panic meters if you want but there is I want to say there's one team that I want Ethan's not lightning thoughts on well, more wait, than wait, any of these so, others so can i pitch well, one to uh, him hold on here after but, panic before, uh we'll find out what uh, these uh, ratings are but first let's just give ethan a chance to like breathe into a paper bag and, and like calm down a little bit we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll do a, a read here uh you know I, I think we're all getting a little worked up uh panicking <laughs> with these teams so uh uh let's take a quick break fortunately one thing that we don't have to panic about is finding a dress shirt that fits I used to hate going to the store to try to find one because I'd have to try on 50 of them, it seemed like, before I could get one that even came close to fitting me. And even then, it really wasn't that great. The torso was too wide if I wanted the arms to be long enough. But with propercloth.com, now I can easily create a custom shirt size in seconds by answering 10 simple questions. Choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, 500 fabric styles, from classic to business to casual to business casual. You can even customize your shirt and get the style that you want. They work with the best fabric producers. Each one of their shirts goes through extensive quality control testing. And best of all, they guarantee a perfect fit, meaning if your shirt doesn't fit perfectly, they will remake it for free proper cloth starts at just 80 dollars. that is far less than just a normal dress shirt at, at most department stores and this one will actually fit you perfectly 
Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start looking your best with a custom fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com slash capspace today and enter gift code capspace to save $20 on your first shirt. That's propercloth.com slash capspace. Enter code capspace to save $20 on your first shirt and use that capspace code. Let them know that you came from us. Okay, so panic meter for the Lakers, guys. Um, I'm going to go with a six and it, it might even be a little higher, but for not even knowing what, what even the expectations are, I just don't see the defense getting fixed. I think a lot of people are relying on this idea that LeBron, LeBron, LeBron always goes to the finals and this ain't, this ain't the East. This ain't the East that LeBron's used to. I don't think that it's just a given that everything goes smoothly in that direction. 5.5. <laughs> <laughs> I think the expectations were a little bit high, but I still think they're going to be a capable team, have a good shot at making the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I would go with the six as well. I mean, I think I would reduce my expectations for them to maybe like, you know, a 45 wins uh, overall instead of the 48 that, that I predicted them for. Um Okay, so we'll do one more team in full here, and then we'll do like a few lightnings runs because we're a uh, big surprise. Uh, three utterly verbose men uh, were not able to finish this podcast in the allotted <laughs> amount of time. Uh, so, so Danny, who is it? Who do you want to ask him about? The Boston Celtics. I oh. we haven't talked about the Celtics at all. I like the the two of us, and I do not know how what you're thinking about this team. It's just such a shame that we're not going to get into. Uh, we're just going to lightning around the Wizards. I, I, it was my first thought. Yeah, on that. but I mean, um, but <laughs> like, they've been talked about too much. Like Low wrote a whole article. Yeah, about they, them. They, like, they, it's, they they they've been so in a simmer of too. panic for years. They're so now. boring. Like they're, they're the the most they're, boring they're, team in the NBA to me. Yeah, it's like, uh, what's the reason for panic? You're spending a lot of money on a guy who's probably not nearly as good as, as people think he is. Um, so the the Celtics, yeah, I mean, everybody's identified this with the the Tatum shot selection issue, but it seems to be more team-wide when I talk to people who work for them where there just doesn't seem to be that discipline. But I'm not panicking when it comes to this team just because I thought there was a big reason for panic at the very beginning when Kyrie Irving comes in looking disheveled, you know, not not just a little bit out of shape and a little bit gimpy, but but also disheveled. But he's looked really good recently, and that 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 soothes me. Even if they nearly lost to the Suns tonight, um, and Nate and I were checking out at the end of that game. Oh, what um, a disaster that was I, I for think, the Suns! God, oh God, I felt so bad for Kakashkov. He just was he, he he at one point when he was exhorting his team, he kind of went into a crouch that I thought would a rip his uh, rip his pants or just strain something i was worried for him and uh i uh i felt badly because he just so badly wanted that game uh with with how the suns have been going so yeah that was a complete disaster um I, you know, I, I guess it's a little bit surprising their their offensive deficiencies because when you look at the roster, it's a little bit strange that they're so awesome defensively uh, with that roster, and it's a little bit strange that they've been a little mediocre uh, offensively with that roster. I guess are my thoughts, but I'm not worried about them, at least not right now. Well, so worried about them in the sense of like, you know, I mean, I think they they were the finals favorite for most people. I picked the Raptors, although I said it was extremely close. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I probably would favor the raptors right now just if only because Kawhi looks so good i mean that was part of the the variable um the raptors have a higher ceiling yeah. is what i would say but i think the Kawhi stuff is still a little bit you know he looks incredible but he takes so many games off and that's probably the right decision but it just makes me wonder can you really count on 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 him being there at the end which i guess you could say the same thing with Kyrie irving uh can you count on him being there at the end but yes i think toronto is so far obviously 
obviously the best team in the East. And maybe, I mean, the Celtics can't control that, right? <laughs> they can't control how awesome the Raptors look, but that does perhaps, uh, that, that does yeah. perhaps ramp up the panic just yeah, I mean, a bit. I just, yeah. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't look at the Celtics right now and go, I'm massively disappointed in, in what they are. I just, it'd be nice if Tatum improved more. It'd be nice if he was taking smarter and, and, and better shots, but, but I, I mean, there's, isn't there, linear. the problem is so, they're yeah. not getting any penetration to set up open threes. Like they're not getting to the rim uh, at all. Mm. Um, a couple of notes on here. Uh, they are the second highest projected e-field goal percentage increase behind Houston, 4.1%. I mean, that's huge to shoot 4.1% better uh, from the field. Um, and that's, you know, again, that's not based on the quality of these shooters, but just simply uh, where they are getting their shots from. And also just they're taking so few shots at the rim that, you know, it's that's expected to uh progress towards the mean uh but their defense is supposed to decline by 1.7 percent uh e-field goal percentage um you know teams are supposed to shoot 1.7 percent better against them. so that could cancel that out although you know opponents shooting 29 percent from three against them this is the same thing that's been going on for a while here it's unclear whether you know that's something that is just random chance or uh, you know is a skill that their defense actually has uh, what are your thoughts danny uh, on the celtics here I'm worried about their offense, but not terrified of it. I mean, we've... I think they'll get better at getting to the lane. Hayward to me is, you know, improving with time. It, it depends on the game. Kyrie looks a lot better over the last few games than he did earlier in the year. And the Tatum stuff, I think it sort itself out. Now, if the playoffs were starting today, I would be massively freaked out, but they're not. They're not starting for another few months. So they, they have time to figure it out. I'm pretty low on it and their defense looks good. I do think there's some good fortune in terms of shots that are being missed there. So my panic meter on them is low, but it's another team kind of like where I am with the Pelicans where where I could see it ramping up and spiking. And then the other reason it would be a little higher for them is that not only are the Raptors better than we expected, but the Bucks are better than yeah. we anticipated. So they're going to have yeah. another, uh, another threat to the crown. Although I do think Boston and, matches up really yeah. well with the Bucks. Yes. Oh, absolutely. They make the Bucks just like they make the Sixers look bad. I think they make the Bucks look bad, but they have time to develop and improve and all that stuff he, as well. So yeah, yeah, I... Go ahead, sorry. I don't remember where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think I feel less panicked about them. I know we, we've both mentioned the Kyrie thing, but there was that worry just in the first few games where I thought, oh, something's wrong with him potentially. And if that's the yeah. case, then their season's DOA. So I'm coming back from a feeling of their season might be DOA to, yeah, they got some stuff to work on. And that's a far better place. I mean, again, expectations uh, to find happiness. couple of things on that. I, I agree with you on Kyrie. I feel better now that he actually looks okay. Gordon Hayward though is a long way away uh you know I mean he's had a couple of decent games but you know just uh, both in the sense that they're like not really featuring him at all and it's kind of like been an excuse to not feature him but healthy he's a way better player than Tatum or Braun I mean you know they've been closing games with like Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris out there like they're just not getting the production from Tatum and Hayward I mean if you want to know what this team is just look at what they were last year when Kerry was healthy like that's basically what this team is which is a good team they win a lot of games down the end again you know they've been a great clutch team uh you know who knows whether that's going to continue or not uh but they're not a great offense and Kyrie uh, for all of his personal brilliance isn't the guy who you know draws so much defensive attention that he's setting up others he's drawing the gravity of the defense he's doing stuff with the ball in his hands he could be efficient on his own but he's not powering uh an elite offense by himself and you know so unless uh, you're basically what you're betting on here I think the panic meter 
you know, they're 27th in offense right now. I mean, my hope were these guys had a chance to be a top five offense and defense. If everybody was, you know, if Tatum and Brown took another step forward and uh, Hayward was back to being who he was, uh, you know, if there wasn't any regression from Al Horford, they had this pretty good bench. Rozier quietly has been awful as well uh, so far. Uh, maybe not awful, but not great uh, so far. Um, and th- so what you're telling me here, you know, Kyrie's back to what he has been. Th- that'll get the offense, you know, kind of maybe into the teens. But if they want to get to where they want to be, this has got to be at least a top 10 offense. So what you're telling me, if you're not going to panic about these guys at all, you're telling me that you that you believe that Tatum and Hayward and maybe Brown, although he hasn't been as bad, I think, as those guys, uh, that those guys are going to really, really improve the rest of the year. And that they're not only are those guys going to get better, but they're going to find ways to use those guys. So are, are you making that bet? Do you believe that those guys are going to be better at the end? Hmm. I don't know if I necessarily need those guys to massively improve for this particular team and the way they play to grind out uh, three playoff series, uh, which is, I think, what the expectation is or what people are hoping for um, for them. Now, I, I what, what is concerning is the aforementioned Raptor problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's that, that's what concerns me. I, I, I guess, I, yes, again, I think that they could grind their way um, absent LeBron in their way uh, to to a finals. Uh, but but that but that Raptor situation and what that team looks like gives me concern. So I, I think there would be almost no panic from me, but for the Raptors. And I think that raises my panic level to a four and a half. I'm a four on similar reasons. I think Tatum will figure it out enough. Whether he gets all the way there is, and also I should mention, I think Rozier needs to get better and will get better than what he's been so far as well. Yeah, and cleaning the glass actually has them a little bit better on offense. They're up to 24th, and you know they have been trending upward with Kerry. I would be at a six just because the Bucks and the Raptors are looking so good, and just I mean we saw Portland do it last year where they were really bad offensively the first couple of months and then got into being a top 10 unit for the rest of the year and so that could happen and they have a lot of talent on this team but you know they are struggling to find ways to use it. i mean their shot mix is just so bad uh as of now uh they never ever get to the foul line like that's a problem they don't really uh get any offensive rebounds that's a problem too um so you know, i mean there's a lot of systemic things that are gonna have to get fixed here um and both in terms of just the, the math of what's going wrong so i i would be higher i would be at like a six and a half just because the you know i'm not sure that the offense would get better but i mean you know let's keep in mind here plus 4.1 net rating they're seven and four they're on pace for 52 wins you know so that's not that bad uh but you know i mean i'd pick them at being you know maybe they're gonna win 55 56 which is a little bit below expectations uh you know i think and they could just you know all come together in the playoffs too you know and punch above their weight so you know maybe a six is too much i mean i'll downgrade I'll, I'll say a five um all right let's do a little lightning run here oh, but, oh you by got the more? way the the yeah. one it, well i'm just saying the wizards is that's not the team that that we're depriving people by doing lightning round i think it's the sixers i think that was the one so i mean there's actually saying. i mean a bunch a bunch of other ones on here too i mean like so all right yeah. I, I, by the way i love i love this topic i love this topic yeah no I, all right so here's how we're gonna do this each uh, each of us will go we're going to say panic meter. Well, I guess what we'll do here first, we'll do team's biggest problem. Can it get solved? Panic meter in like a, like a minute each. Uh, so let's start mm-hmm. with the aforementioned Sixers. Team's biggest problem. I'm starting. Um, I know people will say that the incorporation of Fultz, but I would say uh, it's really Ben Simmons, uh, maybe not, maybe not being as good as people think he is in team scheming for him. And that's just this looming problem in the playoffs. And so I would put the panic meter at, at, at a seven. I, I was talking to uh, this writer who will remain completely anonymous 
uh, at Oracle Arena. He writes for The Athletic uh, a couple days ago. Uh, pretty good friends with him. Is his name well, Reithen... that, that doesn't narrow it down very much. <laughs> Is his name, does his name rhyme with Reithen Rouse? <laughs> Uh, th- this uh, anonymous gentleman uh, was saying that Ben Simmons might be the most overrated player in the NBA. That sounds that sounds like a hot. Thing. <laughs> I, I don't know anybody at the Athletic who would who would even talk um, that way. Uh, Maybe if they were on the radio, they would say a take like that. But okay, uh, that's that's a little bit Danny. Different. Biggest problem for the Sixers: can they fix it? Panic rating. I'm going to go with a bigger problem, which is I think all three of their highest profile players, meaning Fultz, Simmons, and Embiid, are their games are at least somewhat incongruous. I'm a little bit more worried about the Simmons Embiid point of conflict than Fultz because all you can do is just not play Fultz at some point. So I'm at a seven with them. I think that's there. There are ways of fixing, you know, smoothing that over, but it takes the role players doing well. So seven. Yeah, I mean, they just seem like even at their best, a team that you know can crush two thirds of the teams in the league just with their defense. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna. By the way, I'm gonna have to bail out of the podcast. My my son just woke up, and uh, so <laughs> this has been fantastic. Oh, this is this. Is- great i I look forward to hearing the we're so real i look look forward to hearing i look forward to hearing the remainder of panic (laughs) all right well uh now at least we have a chance of finishing out at two hours all right thanks man uh go take care of your son and i'm sorry if we woke him up it's okay i don't think we did all right see you oh man wow that that is deflating uh much like uh the one of these teams uh so I, i think their biggest problem that we haven't talked about yet is their lack of depth and that kind of fits into the whole, you know, how difficult it is to fit around these guys. It's just a, not a ton of shooting, et cetera. So uh, I would go with a, a six for them, but only because I think I was lower on them to start with uh, than some people were. You know, I mean, I, I definitely, you know, don't see them getting to the East finals. I mean, I think they probably lose in the second round still. You know, maybe I think they match up pretty well against the Pacers who, you know, they might play in the four or five. So I, I still think they'll get to the second round, but I don't expect them to be that competitive there. Where do you want to go next here? I want to go to another team that I was high on and maybe unduly so, the Utah Jazz. The Jazz are 5-6 and six on the season so far. So, you know, in terms of record, and they've underperformed their point differentials so far. But this idea, and they've dealt with injuries and all this kind of stuff, but this idea that they're going to be a dominant defense and then in a meaningfully above-average offense is a little bit under fire right now. Yeah, uh, the defense actually has been a little bit lucky uh, per Andrew, or maybe not lucky, but expected to regress a little bit but because they have rudy gobert you know i don't and they haven't been giving up shots at the rim i don't expect them you know they're always going to not give up shots at the rim because they have gobert so i'm not sure that i buy that that's going to regress maybe as much as you know and and andrew's obviously not providing a subjective calculation there he's just you know these are just what the numbers say with this model um but there's reason to believe maybe that the model doesn't work as well for their defense um and their shots on offense look pretty good they haven't been hitting the three ball quite as well you know they've been a little below average um and they've had some injury concerns with mitchell out i mean they really are going to struggle offensively without that one creator uh so i think they're going to be fine you know i mean you had them for 55 wins I, I thought that was a little optimistic but i still had them for 52 i think they can get there they also have a record under quinn snyder of playing better as the season goes on so i i'm not that worried about them i'd put it at like a four uh, for them I, I think that they you know are still another i mean i think the race for the number two seed in in the west and like who could make it to the west finals opposite the warriors like it's looking like i kind of hope houston stays like below expectations because it could be like any like six teams who get there it could be really interesting 
Um, that would yeah. be exciting, and it, it could lead to some tactical losing to oh, to get on the correct side of the bracket. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is why teams should be able to pick their opponents. I I don't need to get into that right now. It's not time. I would go with a four for the Jazz as well. I think that a lot of what their flaws have been so far will be corrected. Some of their guys can just play better. Some of those shots will go in a little bit more. But they are going to need to to do it at some point. And I mean, the weird thing is just like being flat as many times as they've been so far. Like that the losses to Memphis. And Memphis is a better team than than we thought, so maybe yeah. those losses. Memphis a is a good matchup for them too. Uh, also yeah. true. But so, yeah, it, it might look better with time. But yeah, I, so if, uh, I think a four is, is fine. I'll let you pick the next one since I picked that one. Okay. The Washington Wizards, uh, th- <laughs> their, their biggest problem is just that they've kind of been what they should be so far. I mean, the, the offense uh, and, and the defense in particular. I mean, opponents are shooting 39% from three. But overall, you know, there isn't really a massive decrease that's uh, projected in uh, opponent e-field goal percentage when you look at their overall shot profile that they're giving up uh they are shooting only 31 percent from three they are supposed to get a 3.0 percent e-field goal percentage increase which is one of the higher ones in the league but i mean it really just i would say their biggest problem is a total lack of team chemistry and lack of communication on defense and i, I i'm not sure that's going to get fixed I, I don't think it is going to be so so i i would go with uh i mean i guess the the beauty of it is you know it's not like the east is any good uh but you know i i if you're thinking this team was going to get to the second round you know you're at a 10 if you thought they were gonna lose in the first round and be like the seventh seed or something you're probably at like a six maybe one of the fun things for the wizards is that over the next week or so their panic meter is either going to temper a little bit or it's going to skyrocket because they play a lot of bad teams or shaky like teams they should be and so if they start losing losing these games then you go oh crap like this is it's a much bigger issue and yeah i think communication defensively they're giving up so many good shots like that that's something that's hard to quantify sometimes but when i watch them i they're when they were getting their butts kicked by dallas they were giving up wide open looks and those are going to go in a higher proportion of the time their offensive struggles i think will tone down yeah. and so they'll they'll become better they'll become better there and if you're going to ask me are they you know meaningfully worse than like i mean the pistons and some of those other teams that are kind of the Nets, some of those other teams that are in the mix for the eight seed and that kind of bottom of the East. No, I think that the, the Wizards, if they play more to their capability, but I mean, they're they're two and nine right now, two and eight, sorry, big, but I don't think they're going to lose their ninth game to Orlando. Hopefully not, because that would be real bad. Yeah. But the, I I, mean, I think that they'll get better enough to, to be in that mix. So yeah, I'm like a seven with them, but it will not, I have a hair trigger. I mean, because if this, they have, to improve really really quickly because i don't think their offense is good enough anymore for them to go on those tears like they did what i think was last year when they just won a, b- a bunch of games after a slow start was it two years two whatever years year ago. that was yeah two years ago they started two and eight and finished with 49 wins um yeah i mean if if they lose you know like four out of their next six or something to these bad teams you know then they're done you know i mean if they get to 10 games under 500 you know you can probably even with the the rest of these not exactly running away and hiding well and and the other part of that is the way that their players have reacted to what's happened so far is is even more concerning because they're losing it a little bit and I mean, as much as we like to focus on what's on the court, I mean, all of that matters. I can't believe the departure of Marcin Gortat wasn't a panacea for the locker room. Uh, 
All right, last one here. Minnesota Timberwolves, what is their biggest problem? I think their biggest problem is that even, and they haven't had a great opportunity for this, I'm not sure if their best is as good as I thought it was going to be. And we haven't got, you know, Jeff Teague's missed time, the whole Jimmy Butler saga and all that kind of stuff. But I I, I thought their fastball was going to be, you know, we talked about this idea of like, oh, they could be like a 49-win team and this is going to move them down. And we each, I think we each took their under at like 41 or whatever it was. And that was assuming Jimmy Butler was going to get traded pretty sooner than probably this. And I don't, you know, when I watch them, I don't trust their defense. I still don't. And then offensively, you know, they have those moments, but, and, and Derek Rose has been better than I expected him to be. He's, at least he's making more shots than I expected. But overall, I just don't think they're as good a team as I thought they would be. So some, I, I think the inconsistency obviously is a huge one. I think just an overall lack of effort. I mean, this team with Carl Anthony Towns on the floor, they get 65% of available defensive rebounds. When Andrew Wiggins is on the floor, they get 64% of available defensive rebounds. Like, they can't get a rebound. Like, Carl uh, Anthony Towns has become a terrible defensive rebounder. Uh, the only player with a positive net rating on this team is Derrick Rose with a positive 2.1. Who would have thought that, that Derrick Rose would be, like, the, the one guy this team is really playing well? And, you know, Butler, he, General Soreness has played nine games. Uh, you know, he, usually they were great with him on the floor last year. You know, plus eight with him on the floor. Now they're negative eight on the floor they're four and eight uh you know they've had a, a rough road trip here they lost all the games and you know this is a team that with jimmy butler in theory is supposed to be playing at a high 40 win level they're nowhere close to that butler at some point is going to get traded uh also i mean presumably if they get to the point where it's clear that they're not competing this year you know if they get to 10 games under 500 uh then maybe they start to think, okay, we will trade Butler for future assets. And then they're going to get a lot worse. I think at that point too, although, you know, I, I'm not sure that Butler is even helping them that much anymore. Uh, so uh, Carl Towns has been awful. I mean, I think he will play better, but maybe not until Butler gets traded. You know, it seems to be like in his head at, at this point. It, so it's really, uh, there's just no bright spot for them. I mean, the, the one thing that you can look at uh, is that they haven't shot it that well, in particular on two-pointers. They're expected to shoot 3.1% better uh, than they have. Uh, but the D, which has been their biggest problem, is like kind of right where it should be uh, in theory. And uh, where it is right now is like a 115 defensive rating. So uh, yeah, I mean, my panic meter for these guys is at a 10. I mean, the, like if you're thinking of them as a playoff team, I and mean, there's just no indication right now that that they're anywhere close to that and i mean it's not we've team, seen tom thibodeau teams ever once in a while turn it around but this is not the same group of like gritty try hard dudes that he had it in chicago uh well actually it, it partially is the same group it's just that they're not 22 anymore <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah. So, so what is your panic meter for them? It's an eight. And why is it? One why of the other big problems be is because I think they have more talent. So, like, I mean, Ta- Carol Anthony Towns has to play better. Like, I mean, that sort of does that, he? They could, that can smooth over some of it. I feel like he does. I'm, I'm still a believer. I, in him. I am too. But I mean, I, I, and like the fact that he's been so bad to me is almost an indication that like it's not going to get. But like, if he had just been like, okay, well, can we can we add to their like, panic meter because Josh Richardson is playing so well that they that yeah. Miami probably doesn't want to trade him for jimmy butler yeah yeah no that's not good either i mean uh yeah maybe that pushes me to an 8.5 yeah. um certainly if you're the rockets you're yeah. relishing every minnesota loss at this point hoping that they get into more of a future mode in terms of trading 
Yeah, I was about to go through their upcoming schedule, but I feel like we can save that for the not imminent, but soon coming 15 and 60. Yeah, I mean, and probably next week we'll do the like, are they for real podcast, which is kind of a similar analysis for some of the surprise teams. So there haven't been that many surprising. I guess the Bucks obviously are going to be on there. Portland, those are probably the two that really stand out. Uh, all right. Uh, anything else we got to talk about before we wrap up? I have a Real Gym radio podcast coming out with Tom Haberstroh about the offensive explosion, his Steph Curry piece and a couple other things. And then I'm probably going to have a piece for The Athletic, which is now less timely with Steph Curry's injury about the concept of a Curry-Durant stagger. I kind of went through it from a different perspective and that will be out for The Athletic. And then if you haven't read the Oladipo piece, that's still up there too. All right. Uh, We'll talk to y'all on Sunday. Till then. You must love hoops if you're enjoying another great episode of Dunked On. The Locked On Podcast Network has more hoops for you. Locked On has a podcast on every NBA team. If you're a Lakers fan, a Bucks fan, a Celtics fan, or a Mavericks fan, the Locked On Podcast Network has a daily podcast on your favorite team. All 30 NBA teams have a daily podcast at Locked On. Search on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts for Locked On, your favorite team. Or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.